kids podcast. <laughs> you can go slow. A kids podcast about. Hey, listeners, thanks for finding this episode. We believe in the power of conversations and knowing that kids like you are ready to talk about the big things going on in their world. If you like this episode, please consider liking or reviewing the show through whatever app you're using to listen right now. That helps others discover this podcast, and that helps make sure this show is reaching the ears that need to hear it most. Thanks. Welcome back to 1.5, a kids podcast about climate justice. I'm Olivia Greenspan. And I'm Zinaji Artis. And we believe that kids like you deserve a livable future. 1.5 is a show where we explore the challenges facing our planet with scientists, youth activists, and other environmental leaders who've experienced the realities of the climate crisis firsthand. We are so excited to be joined today by Natalie Meebane. Natalie is a climate policy expert and a lobbyist who is pushing for climate justice in our laws every day. A lobbyist is someone who aims to influence people in government, and she does that in all of her work in advocating for policy for climate justice. And she's also a mentor to youth in the climate movement and a dear friend of mine. Yes, I loved this conversation with Natalie because it covered some amazing topics like what renewable energy is, some of the challenges standing in our way to a fossil fuel-free future, say that five times fast, fossil fuel-free future, and what role renewable energy plays in the path toward climate justice. Yes, this conversation was, mm, mm, wait for it, fire. Yes, this conversation was (laughs) fire. And let's jump in. So I'm Natalie Meebane. I am from essentially both Washington, D.C. and Silver Spring, Maryland. And yeah, I'm just happy to be here and and happy to be a guest on the show today. And how long have you been involved in the climate movement? Oh, I would say, I, I don't think it was really a movement back then, but I can say the first time I heard of climate change, and this is when we were still calling it global warming as the common title, was in 1990, I was watching Nickelodeon and they taught us about global warming. And I was like, oh no, what is this thing? And everyone else seemed to be fine. Like everyone else was seemed to be kind of chill about it. And I was like, this is a problem. And so I'm going to keep on that, that train and actually jump in on that word renewable. And so what, what does it mean for something to be renewable? And what is this renewable energy that's so different than the fossil fuels that we use right now? I think the main thing to remember when looking at an energy source and seeing like, is it renewable? Is this something that just naturally regenerates on its own? So sunlight, we know that it's going to get dark at a certain time and we know in a few hours, the sun will be back. Pretty predictable, pretty routine. Um, No one's wondering, is the sun going to rise tomorrow? Same thing with wind. Now, some people might say, yeah, wind, but sometimes it's windy and sometimes it's not. But there are places that are usually always windy, sustained winds. And so, you know, wind energy, windmills are built in places with a sustained amount of wind wind blowing that it's reliable and routine. And geothermal, we don't have to get into all the, you know, 
technical parts of how it works, but essentially the earth, uh, if you drill deep enough, it's a constant temperature, typically in the mid fifties that exists in the soil. And so you can actually use that temperature that is pretty consistent and use it to both heat homes in the winter and cool homes in the summer. You can create electricity from the actual, it's like the temperature variations in terms of producing geothermal heat pumps. And so there's lots of things that you can do that are renewable because they're not really going to change. One thing to watch out for is energy sources like nuclear, not renewable and not clean. You don't call it toxic waste for nothing. So if anybody wants to say renewable is clean, I will volunteer them to store all the nuclear waste in America that they never put in Yucca Mountain. On top of that, it's uh, uranium is mined, which is a finite mineral, finite resource, a finite um, element, and you have to mine it. And there are, you know, certain places that have it and certain places that don't. It's not a renewable resource and it certainly is not clean. And so I think what we're pushing for and what I want is only energy running our economy that is 100% clean and 100% renewable. And so that it's safe for everybody to, to use and it doesn't put one community in a terrible spot that is going to be polluted continuously where there's there should be no sacrifice zones of communities when it comes to to energy justice. Awesome. Okay, so Natalie, you've mentioned a few types of fossil fuels that contribute to climate change, like coal, like oil, like gas, and you've mentioned a few types of renewable clean and safe energy that don't contribute to climate change, like solar, like wind, like geothermal. Geo means earth and thermal means heat. So geothermal energy uses heat from within the earth to generate electricity. We can use geothermal energy to power things like our homes. And because geothermal energy never stops, it's a renewable energy source, just like solar or like wind. It seems like this is a no-brainer. Let's just make the switch. Why is it challenging to switch from our fossil fuel-based world to our uh, goal of our renewable world? What challenges are standing in our way? So the real challenge of switching is not the lack of technology. It's not the lack of ability. It's the lack of will. It's the lack of will from governments around the world. It's the lack of will from everyday citizens who have become accustomed to the way things are and don't see the reasons why anything should change. It's because of corporate greed overall. It's still making certain individuals lots and lots of money. And so if you are saying we would like to stop you from making that money in order to save every life on planet Earth, they're just like, no, why would I ever stop doing that? Yes, it's killing people. Yes, it will eventually reach me. But in the meantime, I'm making billions. Why should I switch? And so the real reason why we haven't switched off of fossil fuels is mainly corporate greed. The fact that if it's still profitable, even in the last years of it being profitable to kill the planet, essentially capitalism will push you to continue killing the planet until you can't kill it anymore. And that is disappointing and disheartening because we know what we need to do. There's not a matter of do we know the science and do we have the ability to switch? We absolutely do. It's a matter of the will. And so for me, you know, my focus is within my career is gathering the political will 
the political will of people to actually take charge of their democracies, if they have a democracy as their government, to actually influence it, to con- you know shape it in the, in the direction that they want it to be. And so overall, if we had the political will, which comes from the people, because people vote, money does not vote. You can have pour billion dollars into a race. It doesn't guarantee you more votes. So if people, everyday human beings, take responsibility for the home that they have and choose to have a better life and a better future, then we can easily switch off of fossil fuels in the next few years. And that's yet to be determined. Is there enough political will? And are the people that are living and breathing and voting every day willing to actually vote and support and push for what's necessary? Yes, you are definitely right, Natalie, that people can demand more for a livable future. We're looking forward to learning so much more about your work and the movement and how that work has continued to grow that political willingness for change. More when we return after this quick break. Hey, grown-ups! With over a hundred different titles in our A Kid's Book About series, it may be hard to figure out where to start. Allow me to make a suggestion. There is perhaps no greater feeling, nothing more life-giving or secure, than to know you belong. No matter where you are, what you're experiencing, or who you're around, without that feeling of belonging, it's hard to concentrate on anything else. We can help our kids know what it feels like to belong and what it takes to help others feel like they belong around us. When you do belong, you it's very, very evident, right? Because I like to say your heart smiles and your brain is tickled. That's Kevin Carroll, author of A Kid's Book About Belonging. Check out our Kevin Talks About Belonging episode of A Kid's Book About, the podcast. Listen together with the kiddos in your life. And when you're ready, visit akidsco.com for more great books and podcasts made to empower kids. Welcome back to 1.5, a kids podcast about climate justice. Let's return to our conversation with climate policy expert, Natalie Meebane. What I love about what you're speaking to is you're highlighting the importance of the social movement aspect of achieving a world that, I don't know, is free of fossil fuels, a world where climate change doesn't exist or isn't seriously altering the very fabric of our society. And that's something that we really try to do in the children's book, like get away from recycling. Like I think people can get confused between the types of individual actions that are most impactful. And you're basically saying, or what I hear you saying, you can correct me, is that the most important individual action anyone can take is political. It's using your voice and your voting power to say, I demand a change. Absolutely. I think that we, it's great that to also recycle. It's great to also drive an electric vehicle if you have one. It's great to 
be conscious of what you're doing, but that alone is not going to save us because at this point, the scale of the problem is bigger than any individual. And also we're all trapped in the same system. It's not your fault that you're driving a gas powered car. You know, the electric cars came out in the seventies and oil and gas and coal companies buried them as soon as possible in the eighties. And now we never heard from them again, right? It's only now becoming chic and cool again. Like electric cars, they're neat. Yeah. They were also neat over 40 years ago. You know, they were they were kind of cool back then too. Unfortunately, we didn't make the necessary investments before I was even born. There's no reason I should have been born into being driven around as a baby in an electric car. I was not. And there's no that's not my parents' fault and that's not my fault. And so I think the way to look at it is not to have essentially a victim blame because we are still the victims of this fossil fuel economy, but it's more so of okay, we are no longer allowing that economy to continue. And we're going to use our voice as the most important thing that we can do and actually change our political landscape, no matter where you're located and no matter what country you're in. Thank you. Great. So you've just done something really perfect, which is highlighted how a world without fossil fuels intersects with topics that we've at this point already talked about on the podcast, which is environmental racism, which we spoke to our friend Kevin Patel about, who you know. Yeah, I spoke to Kevin. Excellent. Great, great guy. Yes. And climate justice, which we've also talked about. So can you can you spend a little more time, Natalie, highlighting the intersection between renewable energy and climate justice? Well, I think renewable energy is really just it's, it's sort of the path forward that we have to take in order to reach climate justice. So justice is the hardest thing because it's not just about the environment. It's about, it's about things that were in place way before climate change was a problem. Racism was a problem before climate change. Colonialism was a problem before climate change. None of these problems are new. And so it's not that those things would not continue. They very well could. It's more so that at least when it comes to the climate, to the livable future of this whole world, it's not dependent on whether we can have a stable planet, a stable climate. Climate is what determines when the rains fall. Climate is what determines if you live in a desert or not, or whether you live in a rainforest. And if you think about planting food, climate determines whether that food will grow or not. And that determines whether we will have food to eat or not or water to drink. You know, climate determines our glaciers and things like that, which are freshwater rivers across the world. And so overall, I would say that in terms of climate justice, it's recognizing the fact that everyone is affected by climate change, but not equally. We're not all affected the same and we cannot pretend like we are. And I think that's the big difference is that climate change is something that you cannot ignore from the justice lens because it creates so much inequality and it amplifies inequality that already existed. Perfect. Thank you. All right. That concludes our conversation with climate policy expert, Natalie Niebane. This episode was a reminder that we need to keep up the pressure and everyone has a part to play. And I'm grateful to have organized with Natalie for the past several years to get more people just like you, listener, involved in the climate justice movement. With that said, it's time for the Climate Justice Game Show. Okay, Tanashi, question one for you. 
What is renewable energy? Ah, an easy one. First one. Okay, so renewable energy refers to energy sources that naturally regenerate on their own, like sun, wind, and geothermal. So they are renewable and they can be used forever. Yes, that's correct. Awesome. Okay, Olivia, question two. What challenges are standing in our way to a fossil fuel-free future? Yes, this is so such an important question, and I'm really glad that we got to talk about this with Natalie. Um, because, right, it seems so obvious. Okay, fossil fuels are causing climate change, and we have these other options. Why don't we just do it? Well, Natalie has been working in this space for a long time, and she cited a few challenges that are standing in our way of a fossil fuel-free future. First, fossil fuels power almost everything we use, and many people are just comfortable with the current way of life. Secondly, fossil fuels are very profitable, and when something makes someone a lot of money, those profiting will generally do everything in their power to keep making that money. And third, and Natalie really emphasized this point in particular, historically governments have only made huge changes and fixing climate change will definitely require a lot of huge changes when tons of everyday people demand that change from their government. And as of right now, Natalie doesn't see enough of that demand from everyday people to create that fossil fuel free future that we all want. Mm, yeah. Very well said. Correct, Olivia. And listeners, if you want to demand a fossil fuel-free future, you can let your elected officials know and you can call them and tell them anytime that you want that fossil fuel-free future that we've been talking about today. Absolutely. Okay. Third and final question. Sanaji, what role does renewable energy have on the path toward climate justice? Yeah, it has a huge role in our path toward climate justice. Renewable energy, wind, solar, and geothermal are the number one priority to move us off of fossil fuels. Since climate change amplifies inequality that already exists, renewable energy is the path forward we have to take to reach climate justice. And as we know from previous conversations, like with our friend Kevin J. Patel in episode five, living near fossil fuel extraction and power plants can cause a host of health issues like asthma. For example, African Americans have a 36% higher rate of asthma incidence and are three times more likely to die or visit the emergency room from asthma-related complications uh, than non-Hispanic whites. And we'll have a link to this study in our show notes if you want to review that further. But we know that by investing in renewable energy, we are one step closer to a more just society because this renewable energy will replace this polluting fossil fuel energy that we use today. Absolutely. That's correct. And with that, that concludes today's episode of the Climate Justice Game Show. Thank you, as always, for playing along with us. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us today. And thanks to Natalie Meebane for sharing her experience on climate policy and renewable energy. 1.5 is written by me, Zanaji Artis. And me, Olivia Greenspan. Our show is edited and produced by Kat Petru with help from Matthew Winner and the team at Sound On Studios. Our executive producer is Jelani Memory. And this show was brought to you by A Kid's Podcast About. This show is inspired by our book, A Kid's Book About Climate Change and the millions of young people around the world fighting for their right to a livable future. 
You can write to Olivia and I at listen at a kids podcast about.com and check out other podcasts made for kids just like you by visiting a kidsco.com. Hi, I'm Matthew. I'm the head of audio at A Kids Co. And I also host a kid's book about the podcast and worth noting. I just wanted to say thanks. Thanks for listening to our shows in your classroom or in your bedroom, over breakfast or over dinner, on your drive or on your downtime. No matter what you do between this listen and the next time you tune in, thanks. You're awesome. And it's because of kids like you that we get to make cool stuff like this. See ya.